she would have just driven into town and followed the roads. Too much control, as her drama professor used to say, is the antithesis of invention. Andrew slowed as they approached the property, an old one-story farmhouse at the base of a street that rose toward the mountain in the distance. The house was L-shaped, the clapboard painted barn red with wooden shutters. There was a stone well in the front yard, and a weather-beaten split-rail fence around the property, collapsed in a few places. The grass was wildly overgrown, and as they got closer, she could see paint peeling and ivy crawling over the window panes. The Huffnagel House, built in 1807, she said, reading the plaque on the side of the house. Let's take a look. It's not forget your stupid list. Fine. He turned into the gray pebble driveway. The house seemed out of place in the manically manicured neighborhood, with the lawn overgrown and strewn with a few stray newspapers. Insects hissed loudly in the brush. A rabbit sprang up from the tall grass and ran toward the trees beyond the backyard. Nobody's lived here for a long time, she said. Probably for a good reason. You'd think they could at least mow the lawn for an open house. They got out of the car and followed the brick walkway to the entrance. The realtor appeared, a middle-aged woman with dyed blonde hair wearing a pencil skirt. She met them on the stoop, crying, Early bird gets the worm. The Huffnagel had once been the only house for miles, she told them. On the kitchen table, she laid out an early 19th century town map, framed in glass, and pointed it out. Huffnagel Farm. The interior hadn't been renovated in 50 years. 1960s refrigerator and stove, worn linoleum, fuse box in the basement. There were only two bathrooms, both relics with clawfoot tubs. The ceilings were crossed with dark oak beams. The realtor offered coffee and blueberry muffins. She explained that a recluse, an old woman who painted landscapes, had lived alone in the house her entire life. The hardwood floors of her studio were splotched with dabs of color, like a Jackson Pollock. A pity, those planks, Andrew muttered. After the old woman died, her heirs battled over the estate, and the house fell into disrepair. You've got ants, Andrew said cheerfully, gesturing toward some sawdust along the boards. It's a corner lot, said the realtor. Historical register. Needs work, real work, not just a paint job. New roof, new kitchen. I'm surprised they'd put it on the market looking this bad. It's a fixer-upper, that's for sure, said the woman, trying to sound chipper. When they left, the realtor waved like a beauty queen from the stoop, squeezing out a phony smile. Back in the car, Audrey said, Did you see those beams? You can't find wood like that anymore. Andrew pulled out his handwritten list. It's cramped. No, she said. It's perfect. When he didn't answer, 
She grabbed the paper from his hand, balled it up, and tossed it into the back seat. That's the one I want. It's too small, Audrey. It's barely 2,000 square feet. Would you rather live in that Tyvek McMansion? Yes, I would. Well, I wouldn't. He sniffed, an expression of disapproval, which she considered one of his more irritating habits. We'd have to do the whole thing over, he said. You want to do all that work? Deal with contractors? They're all thieves and drug fiends. You can pay people for that. Let's look at a few more, at least. A reasonable suggestion, of course. But he wasn't just offering alternatives. She knew him too well. He would wear her down, try to change her mind. No, Andrew, this move is your brainchild. You're pulling Emily out of school.